Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. God is with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy that endures forever and ever and ever. Oh, Lord, we know that what you're doing in the earth today may be not seen by many and not understood by many because it seems like there's confusion, division, separation throughout the world and throughout our nation. But Father, I know that you have a solution to every problem. You have an answer to every question. And Father, you know exactly what is going on and why. And you also know the solution to it. And Father, tonight as I speak, I pray that I will speak as the very oracles of God. And minister with the ability only which you can give. Lord, I understand and know that it's not enticing words of man's wisdom that's going to change any of our lives or bring us revelation. But instead, it's revelation from you, from the spirit of the living God. And we thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is here with us, that is in us, that is upon us to bring your will and your plan to pass in this service And Father, we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If we will open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The Lord's been dealing with me today and this afternoon and evening about understanding that the situations that our world faces, our nation, we'll bring it down to our nation, but the world faces, and and things that we encounter a lot of times that we try to come against these things in the natural, in the flesh, come against it with our ability, with our strength. The battles that we face, and and don't take that the the wrong way, I know that we make faith confessions, but we also tell the truth. (laughs) There are struggles that are going on in our nation. There's struggles that are going on in the body of Christ. There's uh, so much false doctrine out in the body of Christ that it's brought deception to the church world as a whole, not to every church, not to every person, not to every minister. But you have to be very wise today as to who you listen to and pay attention to because there's so many people out there that are declaring that this is the word of the Lord. And many times, uh, you know, they haven't heard from God, but it bring, and when they have it, it brings confusion in the body of Christ. <coughs> but there's one thing about it, and we know this, that every situation that we face, everything that we come up against with in, in our nation, the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. The Holy Spirit is our helper, but he doesn't do it for us. He does it with us and through us. So let's read some scriptures here tonight and uh, 
read a couple of them, I know for sure, and we'll see where we go from there. And this is hot off the wire, by the way. You know, I, I've, I've prepared for it just as much as you have. But that's the way it operates. You know what I mean? I've been trusting the Lord uh, to, to hear from him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says in verse 2, it says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Look on down to verse 4. It says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies or charges himself or builds himself up, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Look here again, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit he, he's in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. The mysteries are not mysteries to God. They're mysteries to us because we don't know. God knows everything, but by praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues, in fact, praying in the spirit or praying in other tongues is the language of heaven. That's what the Lord told me and brought a revelation to me. You know, you go to different nations, and not all nations have different languages, but you go to a lot of nations. I think you're going over to somewhere, Africa or somewhere, or they speak something, Zulu, Voodoo, or something over there. They've got a, a, a language for that nation. Here in our nation, we've got English, and I don't know if anybody here can speak it or not, because I found out that I could not speak English even though I was raised in the United States of America. The Lord sent me to England, sent me. I didn't just up and go and there's nothing wrong with going. The Lord said, you go to England and you prophesy to that nation and you tell them they got the door open to the devil and he's going to come in and try to destroy them and take them out. If they don't, the church doesn't stand up and close the door. I said, Lord, how I'm going to go? He said, stand right where you're at. I stood right where I was at. as in Dad Hagen's meeting. A man came up and said, I believe the Lord wants you to come to England. And that's how I wound up in England. When I got to England over there, I, I prophesied and shared with them the vision that I had. I, had, I saw devastation and destruction coming on the nation uh, of England there. In fact, I actually went to the spot where I had saw the vision and I'd never been to that country in my life. I'd crossed some creeks and bridges and things here in the United States. And they used to jump ditches with soda crackers when I was a little boy, you know. But I had never been to England before. But I went right to that spot. I showed my wife that spot. And I said, I seen this spot. And I said, there's going to be devastation and destruction. And I said, that's why God sent us here. Randall, my son, he was smaller, a lot smaller then. He was there with us in England. But I said all of that to say this. We went down to the castle to see the changing of the guards. When we went down there, we found out the queen, the queen that has just departed, you know. The queen left because she found out I was coming. <laughs> I'm not sure that's why she left. But she left and she went to Canada, you know. There, in fact, they got, if you've ever been over there in that area, into Canada, up coming from, uh, say, Buffalo, New York, up in that way, you'll come to something called the QEW. That's the name of that road. That is the Queen Elizabeth Way. 
It is named after Queen Elizabeth. I've been on that road. Not long ago, I was on that road. Pastor Craig that was here recently, he goes up and down that road. I'm not going to tell you how fast he goes, but he goes up and down that road. (laughs) He uses the road that he pays taxes on it very well. He gets his money's worth, you know. And I just hang on and close my eyes. But that's, that's just the way it goes. So anyway, here I am in England talking about the English language. That's how I got to telling these stories, you know, about this. I was there... And I decided to get a, a haircut, but I didn't know they do it different there than we do here. They, you know, of course, now they're doing it here too, but a lot of things start over in Europe and they come over here, you know. And, and I went into this shop, you know, salon, I forget what they call the thing. And, and, and the, the girl was asking me how I wanted my hair fixed. And I was trying to point out to her and tell her in English, you know, what I was saying and, and all that stuff. And she said, you're going to wear your hair flocked. I said, flot? What does flot mean? <laughs> in other words, if you wear it down on your head, if it ain't sticking up like this, you know what I mean? You're not in style. And then one of the other in the salon came over to me and said, where are you from, sir? I said, I am from the state of Georgia in the United States. And I said, he said, what language do you speak? I said, I, said, I speak English. He said, you murdered the queen's English. He said, <laughs> I said, that's why the queen left. (laughs) So their English language is different than our language. However, we do have a language. You speak in a language. Heaven has a language. It is called speaking in other tongues. And whether you understand it or not, God understands every phrase and syllable that you say. And when you're praying in other tongues, you're praying in the language of heaven and God that invented it and created it. He understands every word you say. So he said here, when we pray in an unknown tongue, what are we speaking? We're speaking unto God and not unto men. So if you don't understand everything you're saying, that's okay. God understands it. He may reveal something you're saying to you when you're praying in other tongues, and he may not. We don't have to know everything. But I do know this, the more you pray in other tongues or pray in heaven's language, the more you'll come to understand heaven's language. And this takes practice, just doing it. But notice here, he talked about with the mysteries of God here in this particular verse. It says, for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Mysteries are sacred secrets that can and will be revealed. Mysteries are sacred secrets from God that can and will be revealed. If you will pray, that don't mean he'll reveal to us everything, but he'll reveal to us the things that we need to know pertaining to us when we pray in heaven's language or speak in other tongues. Mysteries are sacred secrets that can and will be revealed. They come from heaven, they come from God, and God's anointing is on it as we pray. Remember, they're not mysteries to him, they're only mysteries to us. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. These are scriptures that you, you know already, but it's just what the Lord was dealing with me about. We've been struggling too much in the church world as a whole, trying to solve the problems of our nation, trying to solve the problems in the political realm, 
trying to solve the problems in, in the church world, these problems are not going to be solved with natural men's strength or wisdom. They're going to be solved by praying them out and following what the Spirit of God says to do. Pray until we get the mind of God and then God reveals that mystery or that sacred secret unto us and then when we act on it, things are going to change in the physical world. I'm here to tell you all the way to the presidential office. I'm going to tell you about some of those experiences I've had tonight because the Lord dealt with me about it. Because today the church is struggling too much. We're in this fight in the natural, too much in the natural. I'm not saying there's not a natural thing that we do. But sometimes people get out of hand. I know during the last presidential election. I'm smiling. And the last presidential election, people loaded their guns. Don't look at me like that. I had mine too. Don't. <laughs> And I know your buddy, you know what you brought over from Panama City, remember him? <laughs> he said, Brother Randy, I didn't say his driveway was about a mile and a half, two miles long. He said, I told my wife, he said, he got all these weapons. He had weapons of major and minor destruction, you know. And he said, I got them loaded and sided in. And he said to his wife, he said, I can hold them off for two weeks. <laughs> This is a pastor. And I hold him off for two weeks and I don't know what we're going to do then. And that may, we laugh at it now, but I'm telling you, it looked like we was headed for an insurrection in this nation. And I can tell you this, what the enemy's intention is in this nation is to bring us to another civil war to some degree. And I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I'm just telling you, the Lord's been showing me this for a while. But the thing about it is we can stop these things. We don't have to fear them if we will stand in faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. Remember we talked about mysteries. There's things that we don't know. We don't know how to deal with them. We don't know how to handle them. But it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, the apostle Paul, through the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost said to him, Finally, my brethren, and this means sisterins too, because what he's talking about is a group of people that have been born again. So that's why they use the word brethren. It includes all of us. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It didn't tell us to load our weapons and get our tanks and get our guns. Even though we have, you know. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The things that the enemy is trying to do. Verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I'm glad he didn't stop there because he told us that we are in a wrestling match, but not against flesh and blood, but against satanic powers that's coming against us. Verse 13 it says, wherefore, taking to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Notice it doesn't say to gather your strength together, get your wisdom, and find out what you can do, and go after the situation, your natural strength and mind. It said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It said in Ephesians verse six, chapter 6, verse 12, said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Didn't say we didn't wrestle, 
but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And if we don't watch it today, we can get to wrestling against the flesh and blood from the natural perspective and never accomplish God's plan or stop these evil plots from the enemy because they must be stopped in the spirit as well as there's things we do in the natural. For instance, in the political arena, we pray, but also we pray and vote. Isn't that right? And there's nothing wrong with speaking up and speaking out. I'm not saying anything against that. But if we don't pray and get the mind of God about the circumstance and about the situation and get a revelation from God through the mysteries that we're praying out in the spirit in heaven's language and then act on that, then we're not going to change it successfully over a period of time. So I'm going to take you back to 2008. In 2008, I was praying, I was seeking God. We was praying about revival to take place in this nation. I was praying about the outpouring of the Spirit. You know, Dan Hagen, Dr. Kenneth e. Hagen, had prophesied uh, uh, back years ago. In fact, uh, right down here in Florida at uh, Brother Moore's church. I remember he ministered to me during that service. And, and also, he was coming down off the platform. Remember, he had Brother uh, Moore, had Brother High Steps. He was in northern Miami. What was it? North Miami Beach? Yeah, Florida. And he started coming down off the steps of that platform. And he said, if there's going to be and there will be a major outpouring of the spirit of God, I'm just paraphrasing it. Before the Lord comes, he said that we must, as a church, take hold to this, you know. In fact, in this particular service that we were at, I might as well tell you this part of the story. Dad Hagen came down and he was taking his coat off. And I think Brother Rich King was with him then. And... Uh, and I think uh, the brother in Warner Robins, yeah, Dave Watrous was with him and uh, others, they, they would know well, to anyway, that he was taking his coat off, handing them, and he started walking down through this auditorium. Well, I'm sitting on back about 10 chairs or so, and while, I'm, uh, while he comes there walking to me, I thought he was going to go past me, you know. And so I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden he hits me on the shoulder and says, stand out here, Brother Randy. Well, I'm not going to go into all he said because that's not important. But a pastor friend of mine went with me, you know, a good friend of mine. And so he had flown down there with me in my aircraft, you know, and we was attending Brother Hagin's meetings. And so Brother Hagin ministered to me, and then he went on. And so the pastor that was with me, my friend, every time it seemed like that he went with me anywhere to Brother Hagin's meeting, Brother Hagin would minister to me and not say a word to him. <laughs> and so... I thought, I was wondering what he thought about it, you know. So he leaned over in, in that church service after Dad Hagen done gone around the other side, you know. He said, do you know why he ministers to you so much and he don't say anything to me? I said, no, Pastor Danny. He said, because I'm not as gooped up as you are. <laughs> and he was telling the doggone truth. <laughs> Then I said, I want a word. Oh, you do? <laughs> it may mean that you need a word. But Dad Hagen talked about the move of God. So I was praying about the move of God, praying about the gifts of the Spirit, praying about those things being in operation. I wasn't thinking about confronting any evil or attacking anybody or loading my shotgun or my rifle or nothing. I wasn't thinking about any of that. This is back in 2008. This is when President Bush was still in office. You remember that. Of course, you remember the dimple chads, the in-between chads and the no-twat chads, you know. Uh, 
Some of you here would. You, you remember that time and how Florida made the news of the world, you know. How y'all stepped up to the plate, you know. But uh, at, at President Bush's latter end of his uh, uh, presidency, which would be 2008, you know, things begin to turn a little bit. And if you'll recall that he started to uh, try to bring peace in Israel. I'm telling you this for a purpose. I'm not putting him down. I'm just telling you. He tried to bring peace in Israel. So what he was going to do was create a Palestinian state. I don't know if you recall this or not. He's going to create a Palestinian state and separate the nation over there. That's because he thought this would bring peace, you know. And they were working towards that goal. Uh, his staff and, and everybody, I think he'd even been there a couple of times. I don't know. Well, anyway, I'm praying now. I'm praying about revival. I'm praying about our nation. I'm praying for God to lead the leaders of this nation and, and direct them. And suddenly, you know, I'm in the spirit. And uh, in the spirit, I'm walking up a paved road. On this paved road, it was a two-lane highway. And I was walking up a little rise, not a big hill, but a little rise. If I was walking up the hill, I couldn't see beyond the rise. And I was the only one that I could see on this side of that little rise on the road that I was going on. Didn't see any vehicles, cars, or people. And as I looked in the direction that I was going, kind of walking down the center line of the road. Don't know why it was that way, but that's the way it was. As I was walking down the center line of that road, I seen the top of somebody's head start coming into view. You know, over the rise there. And they got closer and closer and closer. And of course, I got closer to them. We're walking towards one another. And I began to look carefully and I could tell, I, I know this person. I mean, I didn't know I knew them personally. I'm not saying that, but I knew that person. The, the gait, the stride, the something, there was something about the person. When I got a little bit closer, guess who it was? It was President Bush. And he was walking up to me in this vision that I was having. Well, I stopped and he stopped. And you know, he's shorter than I am. So he's looking up at me and I'm looking down at him. He's looking up at me and I'm looking down at him. And he's not saying a word. I didn't say anything either. Why? Because I didn't know what to say. What do you say when the president of the United States walks up to you and looks up at you? I didn't know what to say. Suddenly, the Spirit of God come on me, and my tongue was loosed, and I said these words. I said, President Bush, sir, please do not try to bring peace to the Middle East, because there's only two that's going to bring peace to the Middle East. One is the Antichrist, and one is Jesus Christ. And I said, if you're not either one of these... Please leave Israel alone. And I thought, what in the world did I say? So he looked up at me and he shook my hand. And then he turned and he started to walk away. And as he turned to start to walk away from me, then I turned and I started walking away. Then I heard his voice. And this is what he said. He said, son, come back. So I went back to him and I stood there. 
And he said, what about my plan in Israel? What about bringing peace to Israel? It would bring comfort to the world. And he said, little did I know that this political position that I have accepted from the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what he told me. He said, I didn't want to run for president. He said, my daddy had run for president, and I knew the havoc that it caused in our family and the problems that it caused him. He said, I never dreamed of the political pressure that I'm facing today. And I said, sir, remember, there's only two that's going to bring peace to the Middle East. One is the Antichrist and one is Jesus Christ. I said, please, sir, leave Israel alone. He took my hand and he shook it briskly. He turned and he walked away. I turned and walked away. But I noticed something. From that day forward, that day forward, he never did go to Israel again, nor did he attempt to bring peace and split Israel down and create a Palestinian state. How did that happen? It came as a result of people praying, not just me, but other people praying. No doubt other people may have had experiences like that. But there are things that we try to deal with in the natural that can only be changed in the spirit. God can supernaturally change things. Sister Rachel Tiefetiller had the privilege of being able to be around her just a little bit before she went to be with Jesus. And she used to tell stories about how God would take her to the White House of the United States of America with a broom and sweep out the presidential office. Some of y'all need to start riding y'all's broom. I'm here to tell you right now. And y'all need to get on that broom. And y'all need to go up there to the White House. But what she was saying is that she was dealing with things in the spiritual realm. Yes, there's natural things that need to be done. But many times if you don't watch it, you'll get caught up in the natural. And you'll get so concentrated on the natural, you'll forget there's a spiritual side that's going to bring permanent change in the situation. And Sister Rachel Tiefetiller used to call it this way, getting in the spirit. She called it stepping over a log. She's a country lady, you know. She called it stepping over a log. She would pray and just begin to worship God. And then suddenly she'd step over into the spirit. And God would begin to show her things and reveal things to her. And great changes would take place because of the prayers of her and her little prayer team that they were praying there. God knows everything. And God has a solution to every problem that you could face in your natural life. And I know I'm talking about, uh, you know, uh, on a national level, and God can do that. And I wish I could make those things happen, but I can't. I can only do it as the Spirit of God wills. But I had another experience uh, in, in 2008 also, because that was earlier, you know, in the year. But uh, I was uh, praying about the presidential election, you know, and praying about... Uh, you know, who was going to be elected. That's when uh, Mr. Obama was running for president of the United States. And I'm not getting into politics or attacking. I'm just telling you, I'm going to tell you what the Lord said. Is that okay? I don't know how much I'll tell you what the Lord said, but I'll just tell you what the Lord said. I'm telling you how the Lord deals with things. And so the way this all came about, I was in Sealsby, Texas. Anybody here ever been to Sealsby, Texas? You ever had the honor of being in Sealsby? Anybody ever know anybody that was in Sealsby? 
Pastor Terry Graves, who is now part of uh, World Harvest. I think he's the dean of students at World Harvest under Pastor Nancy there. And uh, he was honored to accept that position. But I was down there at his church. And, uh, and she, Miss Janine, his wife, you know, she said, Brother Randy, she said, I know the Lord speaks to you sometimes. She said, has the Lord said anything to you about this upcoming election? And I said, Miss Jean, no, he, he hadn't. And kind of the way I, I do is I just go along. Sometimes I found out with me the way it works best if I don't ask the Lord anything like that. If he wants to tell me, fine. If he don't, fine. Everything's fine, you know. If I get to trying to figure it out, you know, and, and prophesy it out and say, yay, hey, nay, yay, yay, say, 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 say. Then you always get it wrong. You said, how do you know? Remember all them that got it wrong? I'm not knocking nobody. I'm just telling you. Got it wrong in this last election. But anyway, she said, has the Lord said anything to you? I'm talking about the natural, trying to deal with things, not in the natural, but in the spirit. Has the Lord said anything? I said, no. So later that day, uh, I was praying. And I remember kneeling down and uh, just worshiping the Lord, you know, and more preparing for the service than anything else. That's my custom, you know. Yes. Why? Because I need a lot of help. Listen, I've got 11th grade education. <laughs> Woo! I, I, my career path kind of changed in high school, you know? If anybody here should have a degree in criminology, it is me. <laughs> So I need a lot of help, you know. So I was kneeling down praying. And I remember, I was still at their church, and I, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, you know, uh, Miss Janine had asked me about who's going to be president. Lord, you don't have to tell me. He said, President Obama. I said, do what? He said, President Obama. I said, do what? He said, President Obama. I said, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Why? Because if Pastor Terry Graves heard me say that, he'd kill me on the spot. It'd be over for for him. You know what I mean? He was a police chief and a police. He was security for Brother Hagin. Oh, my God, he'd just shoot me and kill me right here. So when the Lord said that, I went to try to change, and I wasn't against, listen, I'm not against Mr. Obama. I'm not against his wife or his children or anybody. I'm not against nobody. I want God's will to take place. God knows what's best for our nation. Sometimes, though, if you get in the natural, which most of our nation did, and I'm saying it as kind as I can, you can make decisions and choices based on natural circumstances than what God is saying, and it won't be good in the end. In fact, uh, I started trying to change it in the natural. So I was praying, and suddenly, as I was praying, in fact, I'll tell you where I was at then. I was standing in uh, Rhema Bible Church in the new building. And I was standing out, you know, where they used to set us there in that section. In fact, the last time you and I were there, we were, we were in that same section. 
And I had kind of got out in the aisle because my legs are kind of long. And if you remember the benches, how close they used to be, the pews in that place. I mean, somebody with a behind as long as I have trying to kneel down in between them pews. I mean, you had to get sideways and all contorted. You could be a circus clown, you know. So I knelt to be respectful for a while. But then finally I twisted out and I got out in the aisle and I'm walking up in the aisle and suddenly I'm in the spirit. I mean, right there in Raymond Church. Reverend Lynette Hagen had been leading the prayer service and I had a, 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 caught up in the spirit. But I mean, my physical body wasn't gone, but I was it, it's standing up there. And I seen the most, uh, I don't know how you could say it this way. It seems like it's wrong to say it, but I seen the most beautiful demon I'd ever seen in my life. And I seen this a demon. It was, uh, you know, the Bible talks about this Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. And that's what I saw. And I saw this thing and I saw that it was attacking Mr. Obama at that time, Mr. Senator Obama at that time, you know. I seen it. So I started trying to rebuke this demon, not Senator Obama, because he was standing there too. In this vision, I saw him. And this demon walked right up to him and began to try to influence him and began to try to take him over. And when I saw that, I said, I rebuke you and I command you to go in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And I kept rebuking it. And I'd had great success at dealing with devils and demons over the years under the anointing of God. But this demon, I could not make it move. And then finally this demon laughed at me and it said, you can't make me leave. You can't make me leave. I said, oh, yes, I can. I said, whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth is loose in heaven. He said, no, you can't make me leave. He said, because the people of the United States want me And because they want me, he said, you can't make me leave. And then, I don't know who it was, but I heard a voice from above. I don't know if it's the Lord. I don't know if it's an angel. I don't know if it's the Holy Ghost or who said this. Said, you know he's right. It's demon. You know he's right. And I said, how is that? He said, because you don't have authority over human will. And I didn't. He says, as long as somebody wants this thing, wants this demon, wants this deception, they're going to have it. And that's exactly what happened. And I realized that I could not change that at that time. So I had to back away from it. But many things that we're dealing with today, I want to be careful about how I say some things, started in the year of 2008. Many things that we're dealing with today started in 2008. The people that are in authority, you would say, you see on TV in this nation, that's just something that's going on on the front side. There's things going on on the back side, and I'll not get into that. But these things can only be changed in the spirit, in the natural. God knows everything. I was praying again, talking about the mysteries of God and how the enemy comes against things, talking about how it affects the nation. Let me tell you about, you ever heard about the gold dust phenomenon? The jewels appearing in, in gold dust and things like that. 
Well, I had heard somewhat about it back when it was real popular, and they still sprinklings of it uh, here and there, you know, across the United States and maybe some in other countries. And I didn't really know a whole lot about it, but I had heard some about it, and but I, I didn't really put a, you know, yes or no on it because I didn't know. All I knew it was supposed to be these supernatural events where gold dust was supposedly uh, appearing in people's uh, Bibles and appearing in their head and hair. Uh, I thought it was dandruff myself, but anyway, that that's what was happening. These jewels are appearing and all this kind of stuff. And I knew they needed some head and shoulders just from what they were telling me. And we could solve the problem because I'd seen on TV as a kid. You know what I mean? You'd get some head and shoulders and you'd get rid of the dandruff. But anyway, I was praying again. I'm talking about prayer here and about how we're going to solve problems in the United States, solve problems that we come up against. Anything you need to know, God knows what you need to know, but it may be a mystery to you because you don't know it, and the way you're going to find it out is by praying in heaven's language, in other tongues. So I'm praying, and I wasn't praying about gold dust. I wasn't even thinking about gold dust. I had no idea about jewels appearing, any of that kind of stuff. Wasn't thinking nothing about it. I was praying for revival to take place in the United States of America. I was praying for God to move supernaturally. That's what we were doing. We were praying for church services and meetings and the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation and God to manifest Himself and glorify Himself. That's what I was praying about. But suddenly, I'm in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, I have a vision. And I see the East Coast of the United States. Later on, I found out that this gold dust phenomenon kind of started on the eastern side of the United States of America. And I saw this dark cloud coming towards the United States of America and I saw it engulfing the nation and it was about halfway over the nation at that time and then it was going further and further and further and I could see it was going to move. And the Lord said to me, He said, the ones that stands at this forefront of what is called the gold dust phenomenon and the jewels appearing... He said, they have been yielding to evil spirits for this stuff is of demonic origin. The devil works miracles to deceive. You understand? If you remember when Moses and Aaron went down and threw down their rod and it became a serpent in front of Pharaoh, then the the devil worshippers done the same thing. You remember that? And matched a miracle for miracle up to a point. And then at that point... uh, then they could not match them any longer, but they'd done it through demonic power. The evil people did. Or Moses and Aaron were doing it by the power of God. And the Lord said, the ones that introduced this to the body of Christ that stand at the forefront of this, he said, they're going to be removed from the scene. He said, I have given them space to repent and they have failed to do so from yielding to these evil spirits. And it's leading my people astray, and I cannot let it go on. And the reason I'm sharing this, sometimes as we look out to the body of Christ, even today, we think it's hopeless, but I'm here to tell you, it is not hopeless. And it's not over yet. God's got a solution, and he will bring his plan to pass. He said, the ones that stand at the forefront of this, I knew it was a lady, and I knew it was a man. Even though I had never met them in my life, I knew them. He said, they'll be removed from the scene. And then all of a sudden, of course, I was there praying with some people and I was mic'd and of course they heard what I was saying and what I was praying 
than what I replied to the Lord about because they didn't see what I saw. And of course, afterwards, they asked me about it. I just told them, I said, I don't understand it, but this is what I saw. Well, that was on a Friday that I had prayed that and saw that. And God was trying to change things in the body of Christ so his people would not be deceived. So that next Friday, I was headed over to uh, Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Dad Hagen was doing a meeting there at Reverend Scott Webb's when he was in the old building before he moved, you know. I think he had bought an Assembly of God building and, and converted it and had a church there. But I mean, done some renovations. Anyway, I was going to that meeting there. And by the way, that same preacher that I was talking about that was down here in Pastor Sanborn's church in North Miami Beach, Florida, he was with me at that meeting too and Brother Hagen prophesied to me again. <laughs> And he, again, let me know that he wasn't as goofed up as I am. You know what I mean? And so I was driving down the road the following Friday. It was one Friday I'd had this vision and the Lord had told me about that because God was dealing with things in the Spirit. As we prayed in the Spirit, we were praying out mysteries. At the time that I was praying, I didn't know I was praying about those things, but God understood what I was praying. Other people, no doubt, were praying, but God gave a solution to the problem while I was praying. So that was on a Friday, and I saw it. He said, they'll be removed from the scene, for they have led my people astray. So that very next Friday, I'm driving to uh, uh, Pastor Scott Webb's church where Dad Hagin was putting on his meeting. I think he was doing a two-week or three-week or something meeting there, and I was going to attend it, you know, as much as I could of it. And uh, I got a phone call from Pastor Steve Milliner. Y'all remember Pastor Steve Milliner, don't you? Up out of West Decatur, Pennsylvania. His church was so far out in the woods, you had to go to town to go hunting. I mean, that's, that's how, how far it was. But Pastor Steve Mullender, he had heard about it. You know, it traveled like wildfire when that happened. People had known me and all that. It was Mike and so, and they had the tape and all that stuff. And uh, uh, back then, I might have been a CD up at that time. But anyway, it got out. And so he called me on the phone. He had my personal cell phone number. He said, Brother Randy, Brother Randy, have you heard the news? I said, no, I hadn't heard the news, Pastor Steve. What is it? What is it? He said, so-and-so just died. I said, no, no. The one that had headed up the gold dust phenomenon died the following Friday after the Lord had said that they'd be removed from the scene. Now, let me say this. God did not kill the individual. God's not a murderer. But when you open the door to the devil and get on the devil's territory, he already wants to take you out anyway. And she was in a prime, it was a lady. And it could have been a man. It was a man involved too. He died later. But she died. But also, let me point this out. My personal opinion is, I don't believe she went to hell. Pastor Edwin can judge that. Or somebody else. Just because you miss God like that didn't mean she denied Jesus. You know what I mean? She didn't deny him and God's merciful. Remember? I'm not saying she went to hell or anything else because I believe it was innocently that she got caught up in this. You know, you got to watch whose boat you get in. You ever been on the Natahala River at flood stage? Did you ever go with us to some of them? Well... We went up there and got in them rafts. I don't know if she was with me when Pastor Phil was there that time. When we was in our little thingamajigs, you know, it was high water. You remember the water was going? And he put in to want to get his own little, what do you call them things? 
kayak. Yeah. Pastor Phil Jackson, he wanted to get his own kayak. Come on, Randy, get a kayak. We can go down through there. Well, we're going through there and this water is pretty swift. And most people are in a raft, which is bigger, you know. It can sling them all out at one time. But anyway, <laughs> they go bouncing down through there. They take you up there and drop you off and you come back down. And the next thing I know, I looked up and Pastor Phil Jackson had rolled that thing upside down. Poof. And here he is, the rocks is dragging him along and his uh, boat is going down through there. And he say, I said, well, let me get over there to help you. I'm trying to get to help my new wife. I grabbed him, then both of us going to be in the water. I said, can you get to the bank? He said, yeah. So I got ahead of him and got his little, uh, what do you call it, kayak and held on to it. And then we, we got in that thing and he finally got back in there and he looked like a drowned rat, you know, of course. And he got in that thing and, and here we go, you know, in all of his glory. <laughs> And so when you get down to the last place to get out, remember there was a little bitty rapid kind of thing that you had to go over, you know? And, and, and of course, I'm the boatman of the year. You know, I grew up on the Chattahoochee River. I grew up on there drinking water out of a pink worm cup. My God, I mean, you're a fisherman if you can do that. What you do is you just take the worms or wigglers or red worms or pink worms, pour them out on the boat seat, rinse the cup out one time, only one's all it needs, and then you dip it down the river and you get you a sip of water. Now, nowadays, that might kill you, but back then, it didn't kill us. All us boys done that with daddy, you know, in the river. That's the way we got water at the river, the Chattahoochee River. Come down out of the mountains of Georgia, you know, we're out there fishing and carrying on. But anyway, when I got down through there, to that thing, I was going to just demonstrate my abilities, you know, to, to take that boat and put it where I want to. But when it went over the edge, it got caught in one of them undertows, the nose of it did. And that thing slung me back, throwed me out, turned the boat upside down, and here I am. And thank God they had showed us that video. You remember that video that they show you? It said, if you get trapped, pick your feet up. Because I was trying to fight the water, and you can't fight it. So I picked my feet up and finally bobbed out of there like a floating cork. And I had my picture taken doing it all. I mean, they, they, they got pictures. Remember that? They take your picture when you go over that rapid. <laughs> and so we, we was the talk of the town. How did y'all get me talking about boats and rapids and rivers? I don't want you to forget. Watch whose boat you get in. Because you can get in rapids that you can't get out of. Just because somebody's out there promising you all this stuff, and there's a lot of voices out there, you be solid, you be committed, you be dedicated to the Word of God and what your church here stands for, and you'll be safe, and you won't be caught up in all that false doctrine that's going on out there. Because there is a lot of false doctrine that has infiltrated the body of Christ. So, you say, well, what about my individual needs? You talked about this and about what happened there, but how does this apply to me in my everyday life? I couldn't wait for you to ask me that question. I, I knew you'd probably stayed up all afternoon. You, you wouldn't go and take no nap because you was going to wait. And when I get to that church, I'm going to ask him, how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to my life? He's telling me what happened here and him going over yonder and this happening up here and caught up there. But I want to know how to do it in my life. Can I tell you a story about my mama? Are you sure? I'm going to tell you about mama. Mama, my mama's name is Catherine Frances Greer. 
that's a, a good name, you know, for a good name. My grandmother's name, three-quarter Cherokee, was Pearly N. Nancy Jane Emmeline Carter Greer. Remember the Carters and the Wakefields? <laughs> so that was my, my granny's name. And she, was, uh, she didn't believe in cutting her hair, you know. She was one of them old-timers. You couldn't cut her hair, so her hair would always touch the floor because she wasn't about this tall, you know, literally. But uh, my mother had a son that was rambunctious named Keith. That was my brother. And uh, Keith and Scott, y'all remember Scott and Keith, right? Anyway, Scott's my first cousin. And uh, it's my mother's sister's boy, Aunt Loretta. Y'all remember Aunt Loretta? Aunt Loretta? So it was Aunt Loretta, which is my mother's sister. And, of course, we grew up playing together, spending the night with one another and all that. So when they got old enough to get licensed, then my uh, Scott uh, told his mama that he was going to stay at Aunt Frances's house. That's Aunt Loretta. You know, that's my aunt. She said, I'm going to stay at Aunt Frances' house. Can I use the car to go? And then I can get up and come back in the morning. She said, okay, baby, you can take the car and you can go. You can say it ain't Francis now. Don't get out and do nothing, nothing like that, you know. Oh, I ain't, Mama. I love you, Mama. I'm going to do what you tell me, Mama, till I get out of your sight, Mama. You know, you know how y'all used to do. I'm talking to you, too. And so Keith, my brother, my little brother, told my Mama, Catherine Francis Greer, Mama, I'm going over to Aunt Loretta's. And I'm going to stay with Scott tonight. Well, that happened all the time. But what they were doing is both of them were lying. And they were making this story up. And really, they're going to take this car and they're going to go carousing, you know. They weren't real mean boys or nothing, you know. They just had a lot of streaks in them. It needed to be worked out, you know. And so... They got out there, instead of going to, of course, Aunt Loretta's, instead of coming to my house, my mother thinks he's at Aunt Loretta's, she didn't even call, because, I mean, that was a common event, you know, they'd done that. And Aunt Loretta didn't call my mother, uh, so she didn't know that Scott wasn't there, and mother didn't know that Keith wasn't at Aunt Loretta's, my brother. <clears throat> and so, the next day, <clears throat> they got a, a phone call at uh, my mother's house, and said that we've got evidence that your son, talking about Keith, my brother, has been up on the Chattahoochee River back in these back roads in these cabins up in here, and that uh, the car is stuck, because it's in Aunt Loretta's name, it's her car, you know. The car is stuck. She said, there's blood all over the window of the house, and we don't know if they drowned in the river or if they're dead or somebody got them, and you could imagine the terror of a mama hearing that about her baby. Well, first of all, they're shocked, <coughs> you know, that they're, they're even there to start with. So mother calls Aunt Loretta. <coughs> Aunt Loretta's at work in the Mercury Meteor Comet. Y'all remember them? The Mercury. Y'all remember them? The fins on the back, three-speed on the column. I got my driver's license in that thing. But anyway... She called her. Have you heard anything? No, he's at your house. No, he ain't. I got to call the police. So here she comes. She come a running. Mother didn't have no way to go right then. So Aunt Loretta come to get her. Said, where are they at? On the backwaters. 
up by Goat Rock Dam. Y'all remember where Goat Rock Dam was? You had to go down through here and turn down that road. And you went over there and you got on the Alabama side of the river. Y'all remember that? Go across the bridge. Remember 14th Street Bridge? You crossed it in Columbus, Georgia. And then you went out, you know, Highway 431, 231, and went around that way and turned. And then you went down Hollowatha Creek. Y'all remember where that was? Anyway, got back in there. And uh, they finally worked themselves down to where the police were. And they had search and rescue. They had them out there dragging the river because they thought they were dead, you know. And so mother's just, you know, torn apart, you know. She's a Pentecostal lady. Aunt Loretta, she was just uh, something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mother was Pentecostal. And uh, Aunt Loretta would go to church every once in a while, whether she needed it or not, you know. Maybe Easter, maybe Christmas. And that's kind of the way it was. So she didn't know a whole lot about these spiritual things. So they're up there, and Mother is just, you know, beside herself. I know you're not supposed to worry, but she was worried to death. That's her faith confession. <laughs> she was worried to death. She thought her baby's dead. Oh, God, what are you going to do? And so the police are waiting for everything. The police helicopters are flying around, you know, the wheelie birds. Y'all remember the wheelie birds? They used to have wheelie birds and fly around in them and search and rescue. So finally, uh, Mama, my mother, told uh, Aunt Loretta, she said, God knows where my baby's at. She said, the police may not know, but God knows whether he's dead or alive, or where he's at. She said, I'm going to get in the car. Don't, don't comment. I remember the Mercury. I'm going to get in there. So she went in there and pushed the front seat forward. Y'all remember them? It wasn't no bench seat. I mean, it was a bench seat in those days. It wasn't even split bucket seat like all these highfalutin things you got in eight today. She got in there and pulled that handle and pushed that seat as far as she could forward in the front. It's a four-door car. She opened the back door and knelt down in the floorboard and put her head down in that seat. And she said, God, I don't know where my baby's at, but you do. And she started praying in heaven's language. I mean, she got serious. I mean, when you get serious with God, God will show up. So she began to pray in other tongues. She prayed and prayed and prayed for about 30, 45 minutes. And suddenly, the Lord said to her, my mama said the Lord had never spoke to her much like in her life like that. Spoke to her and said this, get up. And go home. She said, Lord, my baby, maybe I hear that. He said, get up and go home. She knew it was God. That was the Lord that said that. So she got out of the, the, the Mercury, got out of it, put the seat back, went over and told Loretta, because she had rode up there with her Aunt Loretta, and said, take me home. You crazy. My baby may be up here dead. said, Loretta, if you don't take me home, I'm going to walk home. Mama was the older sister, you know. You don't take me home, I'm going to walk home. She knew she would, you know, or try to, or attempt to. This for the days you have all these cell phones and stuff. You didn't have all that then, you know, back in those days. So finally, you know, the police finally convinced them, yes, if we find anything, we'll let you know. You go home, sit by your phone, we'll let you know as soon as we heard something. So ain't Loretta, you know, was fussing all the way back. You know, we shouldn't be out. We should be up there on the river. We should be looking for them. She said, mother said, Loretta, God told me to go home. I don't know, why is he going home? I said, I don't know. She said, I know God said go home. He didn't tell me everything. Whatever God says, do it. She went home. She went in the house. Well, about this time, I'm riding around in my 72 Chevy Nova. Y'all remember that green one I had? Woo-wee, I wish I had it now. It was a lot more money than it was back then. 
My 72 Chevy Nova. My Lord, I'm cruising. What I'm doing, because mama had me out on a search, you know. I'm looking at all the friends' house, wherever they would be and everything. I'm going everywhere. She's got me out on that journey. And I was coming down Buena Vista Road. I'd, I'd actually just come out of Moy Road. Y'all know where Moy Road was? You know, when you were coming out of Columbus, Georgia, headed, uh, you'd be headed east on Buena Vista Road. Buena Vista, you know, means good view. In Spanish, but they lied about it. But anyway, it was, they called that road Buena Vista, you know, <laughs> road. And so if you get down there, there's another road called Moy, M-O-Y-E, Moy Road. Do you know why they called it Moy Road? Because Miss Moy was a school teacher that everybody liked, all the kids liked, and she always had a good rapport with the parents and all the students just loved her because she would let us get away with anything, you know. She lived on that corner, so when they put that road in, they named and dedicated that Roy road Moy Road after Miss Moy. So I had come off of Miss Moy Road, we called it, and come out on Buenavista Road, and I was headed west towards my mom and daddy's house, which wasn't real far. And I was coming around the curve. You remember there's a curve? You remember Jimmy Wadsworth lived up there on the hill. Y'all remember him? He had that Dodge Dart, and that thing would fly. My God, my God. Anyway, he had that Dodge Dart, and he lived up on the hill up there. So I looked, see if his car, see if I seen Scott or, or Keith up that way, because I'm just easing on not real fast. And then I come by Miller's Groceries. Y'all remember where Miss Miller was, don't you? Mr. and Miss Miller had a grocery store out in the country. And that's where we used to go. We used to call Miss Miller. Our pranks as a kid, we would call and we'd say, uh, uh, do you have Prince Albert in a can? She'd say, yeah. I said, you better let him out before he suffocates. You know, that's... Uh, Prince Albert was tobacco for you that don't know. And they used to come in a red can and had a man that looked like Prince Albert on the side, you know. And I'm not advocating you call the store and ask them if they got Prince Albert in the can. They may think you're crazy today. But anyway, that's about the pranks we'd play as a kid, you know. So when I'm going by uh, Miss Miller's grocery, remember Mama, the Lord done sold her to come home. I'm telling you how God will help you. She prayed. She sought God. She started listening to him. And she ain't been home long. As I come around Miss Miller's grocery, I looked out on the main trail. Y'all remember where the main trail used to be? It was right to the side of Buena Vista Road. We called it the main trail. We'd walk to school on that road, uh, on that trail. It was in the woods, you know, and it would also go to Miller's grocery from where we lived in our little community down there, you know. And we'd walk up through there, and I happened to look, and I seen somebody running down the main trail. And guess who it was? It was Keith, my brother. Well, I knew where he was going. He's headed down the main trail because he's scared to go home. He's scared mom and daddy would kill him. You know what? <laughs> if he had survived, what happened in the woods that night? Mom and dad's going to kill him, you know. So he's going to hide. And I was wondering where Scott's at. I didn't know. So I raced on down the road in that old 72 Nova, pulled up in the bushes on the side where you couldn't see the car, and I got out behind this big old oak tree that I knew was there. And I heard him running, you know, pop, 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 coming down through there and all. I just stepped out and just body sent him. Whoa, bang. He's a wrestling. I was bigger than he was, you know. He's a wrestling. I said, Keith, what are you doing? You got mama worried to death. I said, she's out of her mind. She thinks you dead. Where you been? All that stuff. I said, where's Scott at? He's a coming. I said, get back behind the tree then. And I helped him up the tree. 
Held him up there. And here comes Scott. Scott, come. I stepped out. Boom. Body slammed him. So I got both of them, you know. And I normally, I was more meaner than they was, you know. So I normally wouldn't do this, but I didn't want to see my mama cry, you know. So I got both of them and I hold them on. You know, I got them in that car and said, you better not try to get out of here or I'll run you over with the thing. <laughs> and I went down to the house and I pulled in the back and you had to go upstairs. It was a two-story house. I had to go upstairs once you come in the bottom. And I went upstairs and I opened the kitchen door and there sat mama at the kitchen table with her head down just a squalling and praying and crying out to God, you know, because the last she'd heard is go home. And then when she looked up and saw me, then I grabbed Keith and put him in front of me. And she jumped up. She ran around there and said, my baby, I love you. I thought you was dead. Oh, my God. I'm so glad to see you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She held him back. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) That's the way mama does. I'm going to kill you. She grabbed Scott and hugged him too. Said, if, if ain't little ready, your mama don't kill you. My little ready don't kill you. I am. So she called and told him, I got him right here. But I said all that to say this. Did God know where her baby was at? Did he know? Yes, he did. God knew where those babies were at. God knows everything about your life. Every situation, every circumstance you can face, God knows everything about it. Some of these battles we try to fight in the natural when we need to be in the spirit, allowing God to lead us, to guide us, and direct us. In other words, my mother wouldn't out traipsing through the woods. In fact, you couldn't. It was so thick up in that area. You basically had to cut your way through the woods, you know because there was so much water and causing all that stuff to grow inside the river. So she couldn't have done that. So there was all of her natural efforts were not effective at trying to find her son. But when she got in the back seat of that car, knelt in the floorboard and put her face down in the seat and started praying in heaven's language, she prayed out a mystery that God knew and she would have never found it out unless she would have knelt down there and prayed. I'm not saying the solution wouldn't have to been resolved another way, but it come to an end much quicker because she did what? Because she prayed and she sought God. God is a supernatural God. If you will go to him in prayer, he will help you in your battles. He will help you overcome your circumstances. He will help you anything you're facing in life. God will bring a solution to your situation. He will help you with your children. He will show you about your children. He will show you all kinds of things. And I'm trying to close. You keep agging me on. Let me tell you this story, but since I'm thinking about it. There was another lady one time that was suddenly, she was in there, I don't know, she was cooking something on the stove. And then she had this small, you know, young boy that was playing ball, you know, out in the yard. Now, this is a true story. It sounds like it's, it's uh, out of this world. But uh, playing ball out in the yard, you know, when you're at a certain age, you don't really think about the cars or anything of coming down the road. And it wasn't a real busy street. And it wasn't she was neglecting him or nothing. He'd been taught not to go in the road. But the little ball that he was playing with, this rolling ball and thing, it, it hit the ditch, bounced up and bounced in the highway. Well, he didn't look or nothing. 
And here come this car, not necessarily speeding, just normal speed, but the car didn't know because he ran out from behind the car that was parked in the driveway. He ran out beside it, and the next thing you know, the driver, the, the child was right there in front of him. The driver said this, Mama, that was cooking on the stove, all of a sudden saw her little baby about to get run over. She was a Pentecostal lady. She fell down beside that stove and began to plead the blood over that child and bound the devil and said, you're not going to take my baby from me in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is what the driver said. That little baby went in the air, went up, he drove under it, and it came back down on the ground. True story. That little baby, I say little baby, you know, it's a little, little little bitty thing, you know, six, seven years old. Not a tiny baby. Said, can God do something like that? I'm telling you, you serve a God that's that big. And no doubt some of you have had experiences like this, but I could just tell you experience about experience and experiences I've had. Experiences I've had with my son and him growing up. I'm here to tell you, God is a supernatural God. And these things that are facing our nation, the things that are facing the church today, the things that you're facing today, I'm here to tell you, it's not over yet. And the devil has not won. And the devil is not going to take over. And the devil is not going to destroy us. And he's not going to take over as long as we are here and we're doing what God said do. The battle is not ours, but it is the Lord's. And we're going to pray, we're going to seek his face, and we're going to see these things turned around, and we're going to stop the devil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so you don't be discouraged, you be encouraged. This is going to be the best year you ever had. I'm here to tell you, God is on your side. The healing power of God is flowing through you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet in the name of Jesus, and there's no devil that's going to stop it in Jesus' name. You have to go after it with everything that's within you, and I know that you do. Well, I'll tell you this, I have preached myself happy tonight. Don't know if I preached you happy, but I preached me happy. It's okay to preach yourself happy. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we know that you've got things that you want to do in this earth. And Lord, we know the battle is not ours, but it's yours. And Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, and even though that we face battles, even though we faced opposition, even though they've come our way, <clears throat> Father, we thank you for our supernatural ability to overcome them all. And Father, as we pray and seek your face, we thank you that we're going to walk in the glory and the power and the anointing of God in the name of Jesus, and nothing is going to stop us from fulfilling the will of God in our life. And Father, tonight, I thank you, Lord for your power that is settled upon us. Thank you for your anointing, Lord, that's come upon us. And we thank you for your abilities, Father, that has been in us in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for the anointing that's released upon every single person in this building in the name of the Lord Jesus. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.